covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we welcome you in to another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. We are already at episode number 12 of this podcast. Can you believe that? Close to three months worth of podcast. It feels like we got this thing started here recently. And shouldn't be, uh, I have to thank you for uh, for listening, not just right now, but for listening on a weekend, week out basis. The numbers have been very good in terms of folks uh, listening, and that means a lot to me. Enjoy doing this podcast. Love talking about the Brewers and the fact that you take some time out of your day to, uh, to listen to the program means a lot to me. If you ever want to give any feedback, whether it's just flat-out feedback on the podcast, or if you want to discuss further something that we get into on the podcast, you can always tweet at me, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Uh, love for you to follow me on Twitter, and I hope that I bring a lot of Brewer stuff uh, to you on Twitter. But even if you don't follow me, we can always uh, talk back and forth. And you can drop me an email if you'd like as well, matt.pauley at wtmj.com, matt.pauley, M-A-T-T dot P-A-U-L-E-Y at wtmj.com. The the difference a week can make. Uh, we record this on Sunday nights, and when we were talking last Sunday, the Brewers had just won three out of four in Cincinnati. Uh, that was after they had swept a two-game series in Toronto. They were ready to go into Chicago for a three-game series. And, in fact, in that uh, three-game series, they won the first game of that before losing the second two. But then things kind of started to slow down just a bit. They had leads in both games against Chicago, could not hold on. Uh, The final game uh, against the Cubs was especially tough where they end up losing in the ninth inning. And then the Cardinals come into Miller Park. They win the first game, but then they lose back-to-back-to-back games. And I think sometimes when it's really frustrating watching a team, it's when some of the same mistakes are, are made multiple times. We're seeing the team strike out too much. Uh, We're seeing the team not be especially good with runners on in scoring position. Just one hit with runners in scoring position each of the last two games on Saturday and Sunday, and they had their opportunities. And this is a team now that have had a lead at some point in 18 of their 20 games, but they've only won half of them. They only have nine wins. So you have a lead in 18 games, but you only have nine wins. That means you're letting some some wins go. And at times the relief pitching has left a little something to be desired. Uh, the Brewers continue to have issues with giving up big innings. But that's all the negative stuff. There's still a lot of positive things with this team. Uh, Eric Thames and Travis Shaw continue to really hit well. And, you know, Thames hasn't hit quite as much over the last few days, but he's still been able to get on base with walks. And we're going to see this, especially at the beginning of his Brewers career, where guys are going to make an adjustment to him, and then he's got to be able to make adjustments to them. And as as pitchers are being more and more careful with Thames, he's not going fishing on pitches. He's sitting there and having great plate discipline and still finding a way to to reach base. So, uh, interesting team right now. Still a fun team to watch. I think it's uh, it's perfectly valid to be frustrated with the way that St. Louis series went because they seemingly left some wins on the table or maybe didn't compete the way that you would have liked to have seen them compete. Uh, but still a team that is within a couple games of 500. they They've got the Cincinnati Reds coming in for a series. Then they've got the Atlanta Braves coming in for a series. And the Braves have just been god-awful so far uh, this season. So there's a lot of reasons to this next week. It's going to be interesting what we're talking about a week from now when, when they've played the Reds and Braves at home and to see how many wins they can get during the course of, of that week. If you listen to the Brewers Extra Innings show, not the podcast, but Brewers Extra Innings, uh, the show that we have after Brewers games on 620 WTMJ, uh, we talk with players a lot after uh, the games. and uh, We got the chance to talk with Jet Bandy 
uh, earlier in the week. It was actually after that first win against the Cubs on Monday the 17th, and uh, that was a game where he had another big game. And he had some interesting uh, things to say. First and foremost, so they win that first game at Wrigley Field. And because they end up losing the next two games, uh, this uh, this seemingly isn't worth maybe quite as much as it was then, but they still won a game at Wrigley. And according to uh, Bandy, it was special to be able to get that win. Oh, yeah. I mean, the atmosphere here is, you know, unbelievable. You know they love their they love their team and they come in to come and really win some games. You know it's a, a win tonight. It's it's definitely something special and you know it's definitely puts you know a little bit more emphasis on it. You know crowds louder, everything's louder. So yeah, absolutely, everyone wants to play well and you know the pitching and defense has been great. So you just try to keep that rolling. And we continue to see somewhat surprisingly, I think I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say most folks did not expect to get fantastic production, especially from an offensive standpoint, from the catchers. And that is exactly what they're getting right now. And it's very different. You're so used to a Jonathan Lucroy going out and catching seemingly every game. Well, now it's almost a 50-50 split with uh, between Jet Bandy and Manny Pena. Bandy has played in 12 games. Pena has played in 11 through action on Sunday. Bandy, he's hitting 308, four home runs, six RBIs. Pena, 432 average. Hit his first home run on Sunday, five RBIs. 400 on base uh, for, actually, excuse me, a 357 on base for Bandy, a 462 on base for Pena. So uh, these guys are both really, really doing a nice job. They're also doing a nice job defensively. I think Manny Pena's maybe had a little bit of a better uh, defensive performance so far than than Bandy, but both are doing a nice job. And uh, Bandy said it's it's really good and it's really fun to be able to have both catchers playing well. Catching's like a fraternity. No one really knows, you know, what catchers go through day in and day out. And me and him, we just you know, we talk about what situations, what we would do, what we would throw, and he's been playing great. And it's really fun to watch him. He's he's on fire and. It's just been fun playing with them. Again, I think it's a bit of a surprise to see how well these two guys are playing. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Headlines of the Week from a roster standpoint. Kirk Neuenheis was uh, DFA'd this week, designated for assignment. Uh, Craig Council, you could just tell it, it pained him a little bit to make that move. Neuenheis was part of this team uh, last year. Nobody claimed him. There had been some rumors out there that the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are in desperate need of outfielders, especially with the suspension of uh, Starling Marte, that they were going to look at Kirk Neuenheis, but uh, they ended up uh, not doing anything. And uh, from what I saw, Neuenheis is going to be uh, placed at Colorado Springs, so he stays in the organization, and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens with him going forward. And if he makes another, uh, if he gets another opportunity at the big league level this year, you know, if if they have to call up an outfielder, I know that uh, I know that Brewers fans out there want it to be Lewis Brinson. It's probably not going to be Lewis Brinson for a little while. So there certainly is a chance that Kirk Neuenheis is uh, back up with the team at some point in time. But for now, uh, he is designated for assignment. That means Aaron Perez is going to be the guy who, when Keon Broxton doesn't play center field, you'll probably see uh, Perez back there. So the short-term move on that was Brent Suter. He goes up and then goes right back down. He appears twice against St. Louis uh, in one game. He goes three strong innings. Really important uh, performance for him uh, right there. That was the game where Willie Peralta only went four innings and gave up six runs on nine hits. And then Brent Suter came in throwing three innings and really saved the bullpen a bit. And then he also pitched on Sunday and did a nice job. One inning with a strikeout and a walk did not give up any runs. So he will head back to Colorado Springs. And now Matt Garza is going to make a start on Monday. And I know we try to make this uh, this podcast somewhat generic so you're able to listen to it throughout the week. So there's a pretty good chance maybe you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday and we already know what happened with Matt Garza. But for me, Garza's got to – this is make it or break it time for Matt Garza. That's, that's the bottom line. He wasn't especially good in spring training. 
but he was going to win a job before he was a little bit banged up. He went and had uh, two minor league rehab appearances. His first was better than his second. On April 12th, pitching for Colorado Springs, he went five innings, allowing a run on two hits, had four strikeouts and two walks. Then he made an appearance with the Timber Rattlers and went five and two-thirds innings, allowing five runs, four earned on nine hits with eight strikeouts and two walks. From the reports that we are receiving, it sounds like his fastball is buzzing in pretty good. Uh, mid to upper mid-90s is what we're hearing. So we'll see what happens on Monday. Bottom line for Garza is you know, Tommy Malone goes to the bullpen for now. He pitched okay in his previous appearance. Uh, Garza probably has this, unless unless he just completely blows up, which I don't think will happen. I don't know if he's going to be especially good, but I don't expect it to be just horrendous. But Garza's probably got to prove that he deserves a spot in the rotation uh, before Junior Guerra comes back. Because once Guerra is back, and we're probably still three weeks to you know a month on the long end uh, from seeing Junior Guerra pitching again, but when Guerra comes back, somebody's not going to be in the rotation. And right now, most guys are pitching well. You know, we, we, we saw Willie Peralta the last time out have a, have a stumble, but he'd been very good before that. Chase Anderson has been uh, fantastic. Jimmy Nelson is maybe a guy who's pitching for his job a bit if, they're, if they have to make a move. You know, all of a sudden, if Junior Gare is back and Matt Garza is pitching well, maybe you compare uh, Garza to Nelson. But the bottom line is, right now, for the most part, they're getting pretty good starting pitching. Zach Davies has shown his signs of getting back on track. He did enough last year to kind of build up some equity and get some extra time. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with Matt Garza going forward. And those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue uh, and uh, we're very happy to uh, welcome in for a second time someone we had a real fun conversation with uh, the last time on. He is uh, Nicholas Zettel. He is the uh, editor of BP Milwaukee, that is uh, Baseball Prospectus. Nicholas, appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you doing? I'm mad. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks again for uh, for having me on again. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I always enjoy talking with you because something you guys do at Baseball Prospectus is you use a lot of advanced numbers. Uh, the advanced numbers are sometimes more complicated than, than even I completely understand, but the numbers back up kind of the real-world baseball stuff, and I think that's what maybe separates you guys out sometimes from some of those people who use advanced numbers that just that ju- they're just kind of out there. So uh, I say all that to say this. Here over the first uh, couple, two, three weeks of the season, what, uh, what are the numbers saying, the advanced metrics uh, saying about the Brewers that maybe we're seeing it play out that way and justifying those numbers on the field, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Well, um, one of the stats I've been looking at just recently, I haven't written anything on this yet, but it'll probably be coming soon um, once the Brewers uh, maybe play maybe play out April, but I've been looking at opposing, opposing roster strength thus far, and um, it turns out that the, the Brewers have been uh, playing in a really, really strong offensive environment right now. And um, so their pitchers have been facing really, really difficult competition compared to the league. And the bats have been facing relatively easy competition um, compared to the league so far, at least as far as I've, I've been seeing it so far. Now, granted, um, we're still early enough that I think this is going to fluctuate a lot or, or has the potential to fluctuate. But I, I think it's telling so far that the Brewers have been hyper-competitive. Um, they've pretty much been in just about every game they've played so far, and they've been doing it while the pitchers are facing a pretty tough tough challenge, and the bats are capitalizing on the environment they've been given. So thus far, um, I think any concerns about the pitching, you might want to asterisk on and say, you know, maybe look for maybe look for that to even out a little bit as the year goes on, and the bats are doing absolutely what they should be doing right now. So it's kind of an interesting thing to look at how the environment compares to the National League so far. And, and to what you're saying, uh, we're, we record this on Sunday night. I believe the number is that the Brewers have had a lead in 18 of their 20 games 
uh, so far this year. I haven't won all those games, but have at least had a lead. The number from the from the box score kind of statistics number, the number that's been alarming, especially recently, is the hitting with runners on in scoring position. They're getting, you know, I think one for seven on Saturday, one for ten on Sunday, if I'm remembering everything correctly. I know you guys like to look at things more of kind of a, a big picture perspective. How do you sure. how do you rationalize and how do you kind of put in the the situational numbers when you look so often at, at, at more of the big picture type numbers? Well, the situational stuff is really tough to think about um, just because there's so many other things that can impact that sort of number. So what I'd be interested uh, in looking at, and I think you could reconstruct this through game logs very easily, is that um, the, the Brewers are, thus far, they're scoring runs at a really good rate. So the number one offensive statistic that's most important is runs scored. In fact, uh, even I think you can say advanced numbers this, advanced numbers that. The most important statistic in baseball is wins, and the best way to get there is runs scored versus runs allowed, scoring more runs than your opponent. And so looking at the Brewers playing against the Parks thus far and their league environment, they're scoring runs at a pretty solid rate. So... I'm inclined to say, I, I think if we reconstructed this from from um, the game logs you'd, in the box scores, you'd be likely to see that. I'd be willing to bet that they're scoring a bunch of guys from first base, maybe, and that could impact your uh, batting with uh, runners in scoring position. Um, I'll have to look at their solo homers. I gather that they're also, I mean, they're hitting a bunch of homers as well. So if, if you're hitting solo home runs, that's not going to count as a runner in scoring position, but you've just scored yourself from, from home play. So if you've got a bunch of guys that can hit the ball out of the park with regularity, you're in scoring position when you're in the batter's box. I know that's kind of a, a cheesy saying, but I think it's kind of true um, if you're actually effective at um, looking for pitches that you can drive. So I, I would... I would wait to see how the offensive uh, performance unfolds over a while because it seems like they're scoring runs right now, which is the most important thing. And if they're keeping up this approach, the runners in scoring position will come too. It's just there, there could be so many factors impacting the fact that they don't have very good runners in scoring position statistics right now. We saw Chris Carter last year lead the league in home runs, and he ends up uh, going away. They don't want to pay him the amount of money they would have had to pay him through arbitration. So in that sense, it seems like home runs aren't being valued quite as much. But to what you just said, I mean, the team is leading the National League in home runs. I think it's at 34 through Sunday, if I'm remembering my numbers correctly. 34 through Sunday, that's that's driving in a large percentage of the runs being scored by the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Are, are they relying too much on the home run ball, do you think? Um, I don't think so. I, I don't think with this team, um, so far they're... I think their walk rate, they're, they're working on walking. And so they're also, I think the stolen bases aren't where they should be yet. And I guess the walks aren't even, but uh, I think they're, they'll work up the walks. There's a couple guys so far that are kind of underperforming in that regard. So I think, I think you're going to see a team that's really, really extreme um, in their most ideal form. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to strike out a ton. They're going to draw a bunch of walks, and they're going to steal a lot of bases and be really, really aggressive on the base paths. So to me, that's not a team that's relying too much on the home run, um, which I think, to be perfectly honest, I think that might be why part of the reason why Chris Carter was um, released in favor of someone like Eric Thames, who's just a little bit more of a well-rounded player than, than Carter. As much as I love Chris Carter, um, I was really unhappy to see him go, but Thames kind of fits the mold of this uh, of this player who can hit with lots of power, has discipline, and can run a little bit as well. So I think that's kind of the identity the Brewers the Brewers are trying to create. So I I, I don't think you can ever really rely on the homer too much, but especially not when you have a well-rounded um, offense with speed and plate discipline as it's coming along. Every analytics person who covers baseball, watches baseball, looks at baseball, 
had no idea what to say about Eric Thames going into the season because he was one guy when he left for Korea. He comes back as another guy, and it just seemed to be mostly guesses beyond anything else. Let's say Eric Thames has a really good season this year, and I don't think he's going to keep up the pace that he's on right now, but if he goes out and he hits 25, 30 home runs, if he drives in close to 100 runs, if he hits for average, is that going to change the way organizations like Baseball Prospectus uh, tries to – uh, forecast guys, especially coming over from Korea, but really anybody coming over from overseas, returning to Major League Baseball, how they look at them? It's really hard to answer that question. I, I want to underscore, I think that's a great question because um, I think fans, fans, as they become more familiar with statistics, they're going to want to ask, they're, they're going to be inclined to ask the questions of really hard stuff, and they're going to say, can you predict someone's performance? And um, as I understand it, I think a lot of people have a grasp on how the minor leagues will roughly translate um, the advanced minors, you know, double-A ball and triple-A ball, how those will translate to the majors. And um, it, it's just a really tough, tough question to ask about uh, something like the KBO, just because there's so few players that have come over yet to, to produce a population that you could even build the prediction off of. So I guess the, the tough answer is is that Eric Thames might not actually make it easier to judge KBO players. He might, he might make it easier to judge players with a certain mechanical adjustment. So for instance, um, there, were, there was some pretty good writing going on in the offseason that pointed out that Thames is a completely different hitter in Korea than he was in the United States, and that he made mechanical adjustments and plate discipline adjustments. And I would be more inclined to say that organizations like Baseball Prospectus and uh, MLB Analytics, they'll be able to use someone like Thames to look at those, those aspects of the game and predict that better than, say, predict a league like the KBO. I think... Um, I think they're they're going to be able to look at certain traits and say, oh, if a guy changes his swing this way, and if a guy changes his plate discipline this way, you might actually expect them to break out um, compared to their previous compared to their previous performance. I think that would be much more likely than being able to predict the KBO because I think, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I think the last three players that came before Thames have had a, a totally mixed record and. It's, it, I wouldn't be surprised if the next few have a mixed record, too, even if they are very, very good baseball players. It's it's fascinating to watch, and you hear about Korea, and you hear that you know because guys don't throw fastballs, they throw so much junk, he became you know so much more of a disciplined hitter there, and he, be, he became very aware of what the strike zone is going to be, and he's continued to be disciplined at the play here. I mean, it's just... It's fascinating from a very, you know, baseball card number aspect to as advanced a metrics as you want to get and out there. I mean, just Eric Thames is is something we really haven't seen before. Would would you agree with that? I think, I mean, baseball's so baseball's always got these singularities. So it's tough to say. I agree completely that we've never seen that. I think where we have seen someone like Thames is I would look at some other late late career power breakouts. I think one of the names I kind of kept in mind, um, or a couple of names I kept in mind when thinking about, you know, if, if this turned out to be a great contract for the Brewers, what might it look like? What are they trying to find? And I thought about guys like Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista, who aren't totally comparable because they bat right-handed, and they also had their breakouts just slightly earlier than age 30. But those are the types of guys that, I was thinking about with Thames, like he he could be he could fit this mold of late late blooming power hitter that comes along every now and then. But in terms of, I mean, you I guess in terms of traveling the globe, yeah, I guess you just don't see that many guys who who get a chance to travel around and then and then make their impact in the MLB. Um, he's almost more comparable to Junior Guerra, mm-hmm. who broke out last year uh, in the pitching rotation in that regard. We're uh, continuing to talk with uh, Nicholas Zettel. He is the editor of uh, BP Milwaukee Baseball Prospectus. Uh, you can uh, follow them on Twitter at BP Milwaukee. Go to uh, BPMilwaukee.com. You had a recent series that was that was very interesting. 
essentially what you did, and I'm going to really simplify this down, but essentially you went back to, to prospect list and that sort of thing uh, from from 2013, and then you, you kind of analyzed it and, and you compared to where we're at now and what it said and everything. Again, I'm, I'm, I am dumbing this down and simplifying it as much a, as you can, but uh, people can read it uh, at bpmilwaukee.com, and it's, uh, it's fascinating to go through. What did, what did you learn as you were putting together that piece? Well, so I, I actually think your summary was just was just perfect. It's I, I was doing just that. I was looking at the 2013 prospect class that Baseball Prospectus ranked, um, which is significant because they changed their ranking system for that year. And um, what I wanted to say is I, I wanted to look at what can you expect a prospect to put together in you know maybe their first four years after appearing on a prospect list and. Um, I, I was just fascinated by the results because what was interesting to me was as much as teams value young talent, they really don't hang on to prospect lists at all. You miss a lot of guys. You just miss a ton. Uh, the, even the Houston Astros, who I would say had a great farm system in 2013, um, they, they're really only hanging on to four of their top ten right now. And, of course, when you have a Carlos Correa and a George Springer and then a Lance McCullers, that's that's just perfectly fine. You can hit on those three guys, and that's a really, really good prospect class right there. But it's still with underscoring that when we're thinking about the 2017 Brewers prospects, we really have to think about how uneven their careers could be. Um, one one uh, stat, if you'll allow me, that, that's very interesting is... Um, if you look at wins above replacement players, so you look at um, a player's production versus what a minor league replacement might be expected to produce, um, a two-win a two-win season is really really good in that regard. It's it's like a pretty solid average season. You're getting you're getting into territory where you would say this guy could have an MLB role. I would say Scooter Jeanette's season last year was a two-warp season. That's a pretty good regular season. It's not great. You're not a superstar but you're going to be in the conversation for a roster role around the league. Um, and so looking at these prospects, I wanted to see how many of these guys really break out and become great right away. How many of them take years and years and years to become great? And what I found was you, you're even from really elite prospects, it's very rare that you're going to find these guys even being able to produce two wins above replacement player per season, like in, in consecutive years. So these guys are these guys that the Brewers have in their farm system right now. Even if they're really really advanced, we might temper our expectations and say, you know, if the Brewers want to contend within the next couple of years or even by 2020, they're going to have to rely on talent other than the prospects because. These guys are still going to be forming their careers. Um, we're, we're not really going to know who this prospect class is, even until like 2021 or so, or maybe even 2022, because the the early season dynamics, um, you face injuries, you face up and down between the majors and the minors, you face so many different aspects. You might have job change, you might have role changes with the team, you might be traded to a different organization. You might be DFA'd. Uh, there's just so many different paths that prospects can take. I think it's it, it's a cliche to say that in a way, but it's more interesting even when you look at the data and see how the data backs that up, that it really is true that even a very, very good prospect class can take a million different routes through the MLB. So the 2013 list of the top 10, Willie Peralta's there, and obviously he's on the big league roster, but he's the only guy who's on the the Brewers' big league roster. There's some guys who are playing for other teams like Tyler Thornburg and Scooter Jeanette. Mm -hmm. There's some players who are still in the Brewers' system but not playing at the major league level. How would How would you assess that group of players that were on that 2013 list I mean, is it have because there's only one of those guys with the Brewers right now? Does that mean that group of players has has underperformed, or or does it mean something else? Um, I actually wouldn't say the 2013 Brewers prospect class underperformed. I think it's a difficult thing to say, but um, they they just had some misses at the top of the draft, um, and I know Bruce, the late Bruce Said 
this Steve gets a lot of um, gets a lot of flack for that. But Jack Jack Durancic, the previous scouting director, he had he had some thin drafts too. So when you put those together um, from '07 through '09 and beyond, like you're just the the prospect class that were coming through the major or were coming through the system just weren't expected to be as strong, I think, um, just because of those misses. So, for instance, I don't know, like a prospect like Scooter Jeanette, I think he became exactly who he was supposed to be. Now, I, I really like Scooter a lot, and I think he's a really fun guy to look at because he's someone where you say, like, okay, he just is what he is. And and I think it's tough for fans to look at that sometimes. We always want prospects to be more, more, more. Like, oh, you know, uh, this this particular guy produced this way, but we, we want him to be an ace. Like, Jimmy Nelson is someone I would put in that regard. Like, Jimmy Nelson might be who just who he is right now, but you'll still see a lot of Bruce fans are like, oh, well, Jimmy Nelson's not an ace, so he's he's a failed prospect. Well, I'm not sure that it's that easy. And... um What's interesting about the 2013 class is that their best player, Chris Davis, wasn't even ranked. He wasn't a top mm-hmm. ten prospect, and he smoked. He smoked the other prospects on that list. He's the best player from that year by far in the Brewers prospect class, and he wasn't even the top ten. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at these prospect lists. It's great to look at the top ten, but guys can break out too and that guys might end up becoming very very good and that can be a good thing for your system too so I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure I think the system just wasn't in that particularly great of a place right then um, it, it pains me to say that but I think that's just kind of what happened alright let me throw this at you in uh, you know when you're looking at the 2013 list you're looking at guys who were drafted 2009 2010 2011 so on and so forth in, in in that time, since 2009 to where we're at right now, things have changed where organizations are spending a lot more money on, on scouting and player development. Uh, it's a, Teams are understanding that if you want to win consistently for a long time, you have to do so through the draft and through international signings. Uh, you've got the, the industry that has just you know blossomed because of it, whether it's what you guys do or MLB Pipeline or Baseball America. I can go on and on. So as, as resources in the last 10-plus years or so, are just really being thrown at player development, scouting, all of that. Do you think that as we move forward, these top ten lists are going to maybe look better four years later because there was more resources put into it where you're going to hit more often? I hope that question makes sense. It does make sense. And um, I think that's a really tough question to answer because Player development is such an art. Like even even with all the analytics that these teams are putting together, there's just so many other variables, and um, it's just I, I just think that there's always going to be elements of the equation that are missing. It's, it's just like any other aspects of human knowledge. I think we're always going to be we're always going to be at in the position to think that what we're working on now and what we're researching now is the most cutting edge. And like, so what we're looking at now is, is the most advanced body of knowledge we could possibly form about player development. But yet there's gaps in every form of knowledge. So for instance, I would even say this, I know we've had this conversation about analytics before. I would say it's a real problem that the front offices in the MLB are almost uniformly uh, the new hires are almost uniformly these really elite college-educated um, people because they're going to have certain blind spots that other other people aren't going to have. So, for instance, even even as great as these GMs are against assembling certain forms of knowledge, they're going to miss other aspects of other prospects. So, so there's always going to be blind spots in these bodies of knowledge. We can keep working on them, but I guarantee you, even with more money spent on development, more money spent on scouting, more money spent on analytics. In five years, we'll be able to write great articles about 2017's prospect class or in five years after 2020's or whatever. We're going to always be able to look back and say, isn't it interesting that these guys met X, Y, and Z with this prospect class? Because you, 
there's always going to be certain skills with some of these baseball players that click at different times or, you know, someone has a change of scenery and something changes with their approach or their mindset or whatever. Um, front offices are always going to miss on that sort of stuff, no matter how advanced they are. So I think, I think we have to look at the profession, the prefe- profession as a whole and say like, yeah, we're at a really good point right now in terms of knowledge, but even these elite guys are going to, these elite front office guys are going to miss things about player development. So we'll always be able to find that in the future that, that a certain body of knowledge is incomplete. I encourage everybody uh, listening to follow you guys on Twitter at BP Milwaukee. Go to bpmilwaukee.com. You and your staff just have a, a, an incredible amount of content that's that's truly interesting and truly gives you uh, insight on, on the on the team and the organization that I don't think you can really get uh, anywhere else. Before I let you go, uh, do you, can you kind of give me a preview of maybe some of the things that are being worked on right now for the website? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, Matt. I do appreciate you asking about that. Um, so we're kind of revamping some of our minor league uh, coverage, so, so stay tuned for that. There's going to be some, uh, I think, some articles on um, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers coming up, hopefully, and um, there's going to be, I know that we got some articles on the pipeline on Chase Anderson, and we're working on, we're, we're now at the point in the season where we can really start looking at individual performances, so there's, there's going to be a lot that's coming up that I think is... Um, is going to be really reflecting what's going on in the field. And I think if you're interested in prospects, um, we just had our first three up, three down published on Friday. So there's, there's just always something new coming on, but we, we have a new team. We have a new team of writers that I assembled in the winter. Um, and I think we're, we're really starting to hit our stride now. So, um, there'll definitely be some revamp coverage and we're always trying to make things we're always trying to make things better at the site. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time. I I just think these conversations are, are fascinating as we look at baseball in a little bit uh, of a different kind of way. And uh, you're you're a fantastic resource to be able to throw things off of. Uh, always appreciate you taking some time, and look forward to uh, getting you back on the program again very soon. Thank you, thank you. I I really appreciate being back, and I can't wait to talk to you again. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue. My name is Matt Pauley. Very happy. This is always a treat for me when I get to talk to this guy, someone who I spent uh, a lot of time with uh, working uh, as one of the broadcasters for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. He is the voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. He is Dan Karcher. Dan, appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Eleven and five, the record for the Sky Sox through uh, through games of Sunday night. Uh, I believe best start in Sky Sox history. We knew this team was stacked from a from a prospect perspective, but that doesn't always result in wins and losses. Why has this team been able to be so successful here in the early going? Uh, pitching, uh, plain and simple. Uh, I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've been meaning to try and get this information. From uh, Chris Moyer here, who, as you know, is our Sky Sox, longtime Sky Sox historian. Sky Sox will lead the league in pitching right now. I mean, we're two and a half weeks into the season, and I'm not sure that's ever happened. Uh, they are tops in the league with the lowest team ERA uh, in, in the circuit. So, I mean, plain and simple, Matt, I mean, the pitching has been outstanding. Yeah, the outfield is great. We love the prospects and, and all the other young guys that are coming up that are knocking on the major league door. But uh, pitching is where it all starts and, and ends, and right now the Sky Sox are getting phenomenal pitching, especially from the starting rotation. You mentioned Chris Moyer, sidebar. Doing this podcast has him uh, sending me information every once in a while again, so that's another benefit to this. I get to hear from Chris again. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris uh, Chris is uh, ubiquitous. I mean, he never goes away, so no matter how far you move, Matt, he's always going to be there with you. I'm all right with that. He gives me some great nuggets, so I uh, appreciate any time <laughs> I hear from Chris. Uh, from a you know from a pr- pitching perspective, 
the the guys that you expected to be successful or being successful, but you know, there's other guys out there who are who are putting up really good numbers as well. I'm just looking at the at the current stat sheet, and it seems like you know, ninety percent of the pitchers have an ERA somewhere between two and and three and a half. How is this group? And I mean that as a group. How has it that that this group of pitchers have all been so successful for the most part from top to bottom? Well, I think it's following the leader. I think, uh, I mean, number one, it's talent. And number two, it's 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 uh, trying to do what the guy before you went out there and did. And then I think, lastly, it's maturity. I think these guys, especially uh, the younger guys, are showing a lot of maturity in, in being able to overcome some of the issues that a pitcher will face when he's pitching at 6,500 feet above sea level. And when you have guys like Josh Hader and uh, Brandon Woodruff, who are very young, but yet that, it doesn't seem to phase them. I think that's a real good sign for the Brewers that you have young kids who are able to adapt to a very precarious situation, pitching at altitude, and, and right now at least, not letting it phase them in the very least. And then you have the veteran leadership of guys like uh, Paolo Espino and, and Hiram Burgos. Those guys are just two solid uh, starting pitchers to have on any AAA staff. And I, I think the Sky Sox are just really fortunate to have this mix right now. And the Brewers, uh, their future looks mighty bright with some of these young kids uh, doing what they're doing early on in the season here. Josh Hader is having more success in the early going this year than he did when he got called up last year. Do you see any any tangible differences in Hader from last year to this year? I think so. I think, again, it's maturity. I think he's uh, he's understanding uh, how to attack hitters at this level uh, more so, and I think he's uh, noticing that he can't just rely on his fastball-slider combination. He's really worked on his changeup. Uh, that's been a very uh, 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 real good uh, pitch for him this year, and, and I think that's uh, made a big difference for him. And he's beginning to understand what it is to really pitch as opposed to maybe just relying on, on his just uh, raw ability and, and outstanding stuff that he has, and um, and I really believe this too is going to benefit him down the road. Uh, learning that he can't just get away with with the uh, you know the the, um, the talent that he was that he was given. Uh, he's really having to learn that uh, you just can't take anything for granted just because you have the ability. The talent doesn't mean it's going to take it to the next level. You really have to learn how to attack these hitters at AAA, and especially when you make it up there to the big leagues, it's even uh, tougher. Endeavors, so um, I, I do think I'm seeing a, a, a more mature Josh Hader, and that's to be expected. I mean, he's only 23 years old; he just turned 23. Uh, we had him as, as a very young kid coming up from AA last year, and, and and the fact that he went through some adversity, Matt, I think is a good thing because um, this is going to prepare him for what what's to come in the major leagues. So, um, all in all, I, I think everybody has to be pleased with, with what they're seeing from Josh Hader. The Brewers' uh, bullpen, that final spot is just seemingly uh, guys coming in and coming out all the time, and it's been that way for the last couple years. Uh, we've seen David go forth up and down. Uh, we, we saw uh, Brent Suter just got sent down again on Sunday after having a couple good appearances. Does the fact that 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 final spot in the bullpen does seem to open so often, is there any aspect of that being even extra motivation for, for guys to know that at any moment they can get that call up? Absolutely, and and I, you know, I, I was talking to uh, Paolo Espino, who's uh, 30 years old. I mean, he spent the last uh, three or four years in the Nationals organization, never got a sniff of the major leagues. He's never pitched in the major leagues. The reason he signed with the Brewers is because he saw an, an opportunity if he signed with this organization that he might get a shot to finally pitch at the major league level. I'm not saying he's the guy that's going to be called up to pitch out of the bullpen, maybe he will be, maybe he won't. But I think a lot of these guys think the same way. They see this opportunity that that, that might be uh, on the horizon because uh, the Brewers are in this rebuilding mode. And and so in trade away so many of their relievers, uh, especially in the back end of the bullpen during the off season, obviously there's going to be uh, there's going to be a need up there at the major league level. And if these guys are proving that they can pitch down here. And they too will get an opportunity at some point during the season. 
When Yadiel Rivera was sent back down to AAA, the message to him was to dominate AAA pitching. And he was doing, he was okay. He was in the high 200s even a week ago. But then he goes on a streak of five straight games with at least two hits. That ends uh, yesterday. What have you seen from Yadiel as he's been able to bump his average all the way up to 354? Well, he's he's attacking. I mean, he's he's up there swinging. He's he's got a more aggressive approach. Um, he's he's more confident at the plate right now. I'm not sure what happened between last year and this year, but we're definitely seeing a different Yadier Rivera at the plate this year. My goodness, what a start he is off to! Um, aside from from maybe uh, Lewis Brinson or, or Derek Cooper, this guy's got to be the talk uh, of the uh, AAA uh, ball club right now because of what he's doing at the plate. We all know. He's major league caliber as a defender right now, but what he's doing at the plate, if he can continue, and I don't mean continue the pace that he started uh, at the beginning of the season this year, that would be unrealistic, but if he can just uh, be a more consistent hitter at the plate, then certainly he's going to have an opportunity at the major league level with the Brewers or, or some other organization. So I'm really happy to see him uh, get off to a hot start, and I think Matt is just uh, kind of a... Uh, a thing where he's he's feeding off himself right now. The confidence is building, and I think that's uh, always a good thing for any uh, guy that's that's playing this game. Confidence is a big part of it, and if uh, Yadiel can uh, use this as a uh, springboard to to maybe uh, take that step to the next level as far as his offensive game is concerned, that that will only benefit him and the Brewers down the road. Brett Phillips has four home runs in his first 14 games. As we talk so much in the offseason about him taking a step back last year at Double A and him needing to take a step forward again. You know how I like to use the term small sample size. It's it's a small sample size, but my goodness, it looks like this guy's taking a step forward this year. Well, and Matt, I think you're you're dealing with a different personality here. This guy's uh, uh, doesn't let too much bother him. He's he's very loose. He's he's uh, fun to be around. Um, I, I mean, I interviewed him at the beginning of the year, and I asked him about his season last year, and he said, what are you talking about? I mean, he was trying to mess with me. And <laughs> it, uh, it worked. I mean, he just uh, he just blows it off. He knows what it has motivation to be better this year, and I really believe that uh, adversity will work to his advantage. He even said it himself that, yeah, I had a tough season last year, but I'm going to use that as motivation. If you don't never have adversity, you'll never improve. I mean, these guys are incredible. These these young kids that the Brewers have uh, acquired, uh, specifically the outfielders Cordell, Brinson, and Phillips, are are I mean years beyond what their real age would indicate. I mean, they are so mature for young players uh, that it it really benefits them and their development. It's incredible to think these guys are as young as they are because they carry themselves like uh, more seasoned veterans and. I tell you what, I think Brett Phillips is uh, taking a huge step in the right direction this year. Again, it's early, yeah, small sample size, but uh, better better to start off this way than the other way and uh, having to try and dig yourself out of a hole because uh, uh, these guys have been exciting to watch. It's been a real fun beginning of the season watching these young prospects really develop into uh, – future major league stars hopefully so i'll tell you this after every single brewers loss and after some wins i'll get at least one phone call on my post game show asking when's lewis brinson going to be up or sometimes it's the the roundabout question of matt what what do you think the outfield looks like a month from now i mean it is it is lewis brinson lewis brinson lewis brinson brewers fans want lewis brinson here and i i keep telling them that you know at the very earliest they'll be after the super two date and it might even be after that as you look at brinson both of what he did last year and the way he started out this season is this a guy who is ready for the big leagues you know, uh, selfishly, I'd like to say no, <laughs> but Matt, this guy has superstar written all over him. I mean, from his physique to what he is able to do on the field, we saw him make a catch today that was absolutely just ridiculous in center field. I mean, he is a phenomenal young player, and and to me, I don't think he has too much more to prove at this level. I hate to say that because I'd hate to lose him. But um, and I don't know where he fits in for the Brewers at this point. I think, you know, I think they want to give uh, Keon Broxton a little bit more time to try and figure things out up there. But let's face it. I mean, the Brewers aren't aren't in this thing right now. At least I don't think to win a World Series this year. So what what uh, 
where's the negative in leaving Brinson down here for, you know, two months, three months, whatever, whatever the case might be, and let him play every day and develop into the kind of player that everybody thinks he's going to be at the major league level. It's not going to hurt him. And if he can't get the playing time at the major league level, or they think he's not quite ready to face major league pitching, what's the rush? So uh, be patient. I know the Brewers fans have been patient already. I get that. But uh, this kid is going to be a bona fide. In my mind, uh, I think this, this kid has superstar written all over him. Uh, let's not rush it. But I think he'll be up there at some point this year, and the Brewers fans are in for a treat. So as someone who has seen virtually every minute of Sky Sox baseball throughout their, their long history, where does the, the, the outfield group of Brinson, Cordell, Phillips, and even throw Kyle Wren in there for, for that matter, where does that group of outfielders rank for you, maybe in terms of the best outfield groups you've ever seen with the Sky Sox? Well, I mean, that's a tough one to, 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 to just try and um, figure out off the top without having to look back. My memory isn't what it used to be. You know, I remember back in the day, and I think I mentioned to you, uh, this to you before in another uh, interview that we had, that uh, Rockies at one point had two outfielders, and, and they really didn't develop into major league players at all in, in Edgar Clemente and, and Derek Gibson. I mean, we were we were very excited to see this uh, these two guys come up through the system, and and they played well at AAA without question. They just didn't develop into major league stars like uh, the Rockies thought they would. But as far as just having three guys in the outfield at once that are all young studs, I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll stick my neck out there and say this got this has to be at, at least uh, equal to the best, if not the best, as far as the uh, the, the trio is concerned, coming up together at one time. Um, I mean. We're all prisoner of the moment, but, I mean, it's fun to watch these kids play because each and every one of them, I mean, Matt, the, the, the incredible thing is, is every single one of these guys is a center fielder mm-hmm. by nature. I mean, how many times do you have that at AAA where you have true center fielders, uh, all four of them, playing on one team? Wren, Brinson, Phillips, and Cordell. And, and these guys are athletes. So, again, I mean... A couple of years ago, the, the the Brewers were stockpiling middle infielders, shortstop, and second base were were the key positions that they had a um, an abundance of. Now it's center fielders, and those are two positions, shortstop and center field. You can never have enough of because even if you don't use them uh, for your own benefit at the major league level, there are other teams out there that certainly could use uh, those type of uh, assets, and that's going to bring back uh, some other tools the the Brewers can use down the road. So. It's been fun to watch. It's only two and a half weeks into the season. So, again, don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But uh, so far, so good. And we're certainly having a lot of fun uh, down in Sky Sox land. All right, knock on wood on this one. I'm not trying to jinx anything when I say this. But, y- yeah, probably at some point Lewis Brinson, is, Lewis Brinson is up at the big league level. But you look at, you know, if Orion Braun doesn't get traded, he's going to be in left field. They still love Keon Broxton, thinks he's going to get it together. They traded for Domingo Santana. It's not just like these these outfield jobs are just open at the at the major league level. Does that give folks in uh, you know in, in in Sky Sox land uh, hope and confidence that yeah maybe you lose a Lewis Brinson but you're still going to have one heck of a team with some other outfielders that maybe in other organizations might get a chance at the big league level but they're just they're blocked at this point in time. Yeah, and I mean if, if uh, you know if one of these guys goes up like a Brinson, then then assuming it's not because of an injury, then the Sky Sox are going to get somebody back. So. I mean, um, it, it, there's always a trade-off there. And, and, the, and here's the other thing, Matt. The organization is so deep because of the great job that the Brewers have done over the last couple of years of rebuilding this uh, franchise that even if you lose a guy, you still have somebody that's coming up behind him that may not be the same caliber of player, but is certainly going to be a, a solid AAA guy. So, um, And again, um, right now the Sky Sox have four outfielders that are, that are tremendous. And even if Brinson does go up, and, and granted, there's not too many Lewis Brinsons out there that that can play at his uh, level, but uh, but still at AAA we all know every team is in, on on the same in the same boat that you know, guys come and go and, and you always lose your best player. So it's not like the Sky Sox are the only team that are going to lose a uh, guy like Lewis Brinson. Uh, other teams go through the same thing, but uh, you know the key is having depth 
and um, and right now the Brewers have have that throughout their minor league system. So that's uh, that's an encouraging sign for for all the fans down here in Colorado Springs. Yeah, I mean Michael Reed sitting at Double A, which is ridiculous. Exactly. So you know if he can't make a Triple A team when when he's been up here for the last two years, then that speaks volumes as to how much uh, depth this this organization has right now. And again, I mean. Uh, you go back to the pitching and and uh, what they've done and what they've been able to do so far this year, and and so it all starts and ends with pitching. Granted, it's great to have uh, guys like Brinson and and uh, Phillips and and Cordell and Rivera and uh, Cooper. I mean, the list goes on and on. But uh, certainly, it, if if you don't have the pitching, it, it really doesn't matter. So, and and I and I hope, Matt. I don't know any of this because we're still new to the Brewers organization, but I hope. They, they feel that there is a benefit to winning at the minor league level, that it does develop that sort of mindset in these players' heads that once they get to the major league level, they're used to winning. This is what they expect, and I think that can only uh, pay dividends down the road for the Brewers, who I think are, are definitely on the right track there. Um, the, the, the future is mighty bright up there in Milwaukee, I would think, for, for the Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, we're all happy down here to be a part of it. And I think the organization does value winning. I can't tell you. I hear I hear people talk about that Double A Biloxi team from two years ago, the uh, the Orlando Arcia team that I believe got to the championship, didn't win it if I remember correctly, but got to it. Guys, I talk to guys all the time who, who talk about wanting, you know, the, the core of that team being able to win there and eventually be able to win at the big league level. So it, it seems like from the organization and then to the players, winning at the minor league level Level does matter, and Dan, as somebody who who was there for five years when the Rockies had their affiliation, I got to think that that's a that's a different feeling with having the Brewers. No question, it's a totally different feeling, and uh, uh, the fact that they have uh, been willing to send even Matt uh, some of their top prospect pitching uh, guys here to AAA is is definitely a breath uh, of fresh air because we we didn't even see that with the Rockies sometimes when it made more sense for them to send. They're a top uh, line pitchers through Colorado Springs before they went to Denver, so they could experience what it was like to pitch in the altitude. Instead, they they thought maybe it would hurt them and their confidence to have to pitch there. And then once they got to the big leagues, if they ever did get there, it, it would uh, work against them. But the Brewers, and I mean, you know, granted, we've had you know, Orde Lopez had a tough time last year, and Taylor Youngman's had some issues, but the fact that they sent Brandon Woodruff here. I think speaks volumes for for what they think of this kid's mental makeup and the fact that he they think he's tough enough to be able to overcome some of the issues that uh, you may uh, have to um, uh, go through pitching at this altitude. I know it's no picnic. It's 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 horrifying for for any pitcher to have to pitch in this environment. But but uh, to to think that the Brewers were willing to send their minor league pitcher of the year to Triple A because they know it's imperative that he face uh, a better caliber of, of hitting before he makes it to the next level. And so far, Matt, so good. I mean, this kid is uh, showing that he's as tough as nails. And again, I think that, that, that only bodes well for the Brewers, the fact that these guys can handle this type of challenge. Josh Hader's another example. I mean, uh, the fact that these kids at a young age are able to take on this challenge and, and not let it uh, get to them and, and uh, overwhelm them, I think is a good sign for the Brewers that these guys might be ready for for the challenge of uh, pitching at the major league level somewhere down the road. He is the very talented, longtime voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. We encourage you to uh, listen to the radio broadcast at skysox.com, Sox spelled S-O-X, so S-K-Y-S-O-X.com, or you can watch uh, the home games on MILB.TV with uh, the radio broadcast uh, put over them. Uh, Dan, it's always great to talk to you and get your insight on the team. So many people are excited about so many individuals playing with the Sky Sox this year, and uh, good to hear that uh, you feel as good about them as I think uh, most of the people around here do. Well, we're, we're certainly having a lot of fun so far, and, and man, we've been through a lot of, uh, as you know, um, seasons where, where things didn't work out quite uh, like we thought they would or we wanted them to, and, and to have this kind of start to the season, the best in franchise history, and the 30th anniversary season of the Sky Sox, I mean, the fans are really excited about this. We're excited as an organization, and, and, and not only are these guys a good I mean, the talent is phenomenal, but they're a great group of guys on this team. Every single one of them is, is a professional. 
they they carry themselves so so well and, and they represent the brewers um i mean you couldn't ask for a better better uh, representative of the organization so thanks for having me matt and uh i look forward to hooking up again somewhere down the road and uh I appreciate the, the time. There was the voice of the Sky Sox, Dan Karcher, and I appreciate him taking a few moments with us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. So let's go ahead and look forward to uh, what is happening this week. First off, some broadcast notes for you. The Milwaukee Bucks, they are making their run through the postseason. If the Bucks and Brewers are playing on the same night, the Bre- and maybe you're uh, in the Milwaukee area looking for the game, you can hear the Brewers game. It gets bumped over to uh, WTMJ Sisters station 94.5 that's on the fm dial kti country so for example the monday night game on the 24th against the reds uh that game will be on 94.5 kti country because the bucks will be playing at the same time the next bucks game after that is on thursday and luckily that is a brewers off day so we'll see if there's any more uh bumping of the brewers to another station after that we don't we don't do the uh, brewers extra inning show after the games that air on kti country as well, just for you to keep that in the back of your mind. So if you're looking for a game and you can't find it and you hear the Bucks on WTMJ, just head over to 94.5 on your FM dial and you'll find the Brewers there. So the Brewers continue their homestand. It is a 10-gamer. Uh, They're four games through, one and three so far. They will now open up a three-game series against the Reds on Monday night. If you're headed to the games, a little bit different start time, 6.40 on Monday and Tuesday, and then 12.40 on Wednesday and again, Matt Garza is going to make the start on Monday. We'll see what he does there. The Brewers took three out of four from Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark about a week ago. So that's uh, it looks like an opportunity to get some wins. We'll, we'll see what happens. And then they have an off day on Thursday, and then they'll have a weekend Friday, Saturday, Sunday series at home against the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves have not been especially good this year. In fact, the Braves are really, really struggling. As uh, we record this on Sunday night, uh, Atlanta overall has just had a hard time winning games recently. Their last win came on April 17th, so they've lost six games in a row. Uh, including losing a 5-2 game on Sunday at Philadelphia. Right now, and again, they won't come until this weekend, but right now on Sunday night they have a record of 6-12. and 12. So we'll see how the Braves do. And uh, you, you kind of hope that the Braves win a few games before they get in for the weekend series. You never like playing a team that's in a slump because almost all teams are going to get out of a slump at some point, and you don't want to be that team that they get out of the slump against. All right, so that is it for uh, episode number 12 of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Once again, if you want to comment on the podcast or comment on anything that we talked about during the course of the podcast, you can always tweet at me at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio, or drop me an email, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to talking to you next week for another episode of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.